0: Good to see you all here this morning. I pray you had a great Thanksgiving and a great Thanksgiving week. We had a feast. We always have a feast, but Thanksgiving feast is a, particularly a blessing. Uh, we got to share it with family and um, loved ones and some friends and some strangers as well as uh, old friends as well. Um, so I I pray that as, you, as, as Thanksgiving, I hope, stoke the fire in all of us to remember what we're grateful for, and the giver of every good and perfect gift, uh, which is God. I pray that as we live our lives, we can be a blessing to others. We can be a conduit of that. You know, um, I'm always challenged. We, we sit around and celebrate on Thanksgiving, which is wonderful. And uh, the, the call is to be uh, not consumers, but conduits of that blessing um, in the world around us. So um, this morning, we're continuing our message series entitled Q&A with Christ, looking at different conversations and, uh, that Jesus had with different people and questions that they asked. And this morning, actually, Jesus is the one asking the question in John chapter 21. Um, just to give a little context, um, um, Jesus has been crucified already uh, on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose from the grave on the third day. And he appeared to Mary and the disciples. He had that awkward conversation with Thomas. You remember, Doubting Thomas, where Thomas said, I won't believe unless I touch the wounds uh, in his hands and in his side. And Jesus showed up and said, "Uh, "Okay, Thomas, go for it. Um, Check it out. And so Jesus is getting ready to ascend uh, back to the Father, again in front of hundreds of people. Um, And then he comes to these disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, just before he goes. And these fishermen, these disciples, have gone back to work, um, fishing, uncertain of what is next, right? And so we come to an important discussion between Jesus and Peter, one in which Jesus, as I said, is actually the one who is asking the question. So I want to look at this interaction and look at Jesus' question to Peter. And really, this question is to all of us this morning. And we'll look at Peter's response and in turn what your response, my response will be this morning to Christ today. We'll look in John chapter 21, um, just a few verses, verses 15 through 19 It will be on the screen uh, as well. And verse 15 says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, chapter 21. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for um, making it available to us and and speaking through it and through your Holy Spirit here this morning. Holy Spirit, we give you full and free reign in our hearts and minds this morning um, that we would hear your voice beyond anything clever I could put together or say, Lord, we are desperate to hear from you today, God. So um, as we turn our attention to you and to your word, speak to us, Lord. And may we be doers and not hearers only, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm entitled the message this morning, Who Do You Love? Um, which always makes me want to start singing that song, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> because Jesus questioned a Peter... As well as his question to you and I this morning is really, who do you love? Is it me? Or is it you? See, because you and I every day and Peter every day was posed with this question. Am I living my life to please my own temporary flesh, my own temporary desires to protect my pursuits and my pride, or am I going to walk in and grow in, receive and return love for Christ? And it's interesting, as we look at the beginning of this interaction, um, there's various reasons it's interesting, but something that stood out to me in my initial reading of this is that Jesus starts with, and he, and he says this a few times to, to Peter, he says, Simon, son of John. That's what he calls him. Now, first of all, um, remember that Jesus told Peter in John chapter 1, verse 42, when he first met him, right? He said, your name is Cephas. You'll be called Cephas now, right? Which is the rock. And I will build my church on this faith that you've demonstrated. And Peter ate that up, right? Peter was, if you look through scripture and his interaction with Jesus and the other disciples, he was always at the center of the debates of who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be next to Jesus. You know, he jumped up, cut the Roman soldier's ear off when they attempted to arrest Jesus. He was the one who told Jesus when, when Jesus was explaining about the crucifixion and the resurrection that was coming, he, you know, he took Jesus aside and said, no, that's, no, that's not going to happen, right? I, I got you. I'll protect you. I love Peter because he reminds me of myself so often, not in not in the you know famous disciple way, but just in these these uh, struggles that he had, aggressive, anxious, bad timing, angry at times, but most of all, prideful, right? Oftentimes it was about Peter and what Peter wanted and what Peter had decided was the right thing to do. But when Jesus addresses Peter, he hasn't taken that name back. He's not not taking that back from Peter. But he's saying as a reminder to Peter, remember, Simon, son of John, I know you. I know who you were. I know who you were before you met me. I know where you've come from. I know your struggles. I know that you're just a man. I know that you have family issues. You have failures. I see you and I know you. And then Jesus continues with Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Again, Jesus dives into the heart of Peter because he knows Peter's struggle with pride. He knows Peter's struggle with the other disciples that time, right? And in the past, Peter would have jumped on this and said, more than these? Are you kidding me? Do I love you more than these guys? I'm the one who stepped up to the soldier, right? I'm the one who, when they all stayed in the boat, remember that? I got out. I walked with you in the storm. Peter had a history of over and over reacting, right? Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was telling the disciples about how he would be arrested. Just to recall that interaction. And Peter said, took Jesus aside and says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. It's like Peter's correcting Jesus, right? But then Jesus said that Peter would betray him. He forecast that Jesus said that Peter denied that that would happen. But then three times as Jesus was being arrested and being flogged and led to the cross three times, it was so. And so interestingly enough, Jesus goes right to the weakness, the vulnerability in Peter, right to his heart, to his pride. It's not about religion this morning. Jesus is coming for my heart. He's coming for your heart this morning. Well, Jesus is letting Peter know, I, I, I see you. I saw you. I heard you. I know your struggle Jesus is saying to my heart and yours this morning, this this past week of Thanksgiving celebration and gratefulness was special. Our night of worship this past Tuesday night was beautiful, loved it. But when the dust settles, Jesus is asking once again, do you love me? And so as we look closely at this question from Jesus this morning, he's We see what he's seeking to teach Peter and seeking to teach us about, number one, his love for us, but also what it means to love him in return. And so just a few things. First, Jesus initiates restoration. Jesus is the one always initiating restoration. In verse 15, it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he came to Simon, right? He came to Peter. He's sitting around with the disciples. He picks out Peter particularly to speak to because he knows that, what, Peter had publicly declared he didn't know Jesus. He denied Jesus. He betrayed him. And he betrayed him three times and said, I do not know him. And yet Jesus finds it necessary to have this discussion with Peter. Why? Well, let's set, let's set the stage because Peter's like all of us. Peter had been pretty bold in his claims, right, of faith. Peter declared that his love was greater than any other disciples prior to Jesus' arrest. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And then most of us know what happened. In Luke chapter 22, Peter did fall away. Verse 54, it says, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. How he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I don't know why, but that's grabbing a hold of me. Because that's what Jesus does. When we deny him, we betray him. I can look at my life over and over again. Turning away from Christ, turning away from His leadership, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and doing things my way and wanting to to serve myself. And yet, over and over again, Jesus is there calling me to Himself. Most of us, all of us, choose self-preservation over faithfulness to Jesus all the time. That's what it is to be lost in the first place. To choose, to choose my way over God's way. That's what sin is. For all the debate over the world of sin, and some people don't like to hear that word, and some people are debating over what is sin and what is not sin. Sin is we miss the mark. We're seeking to serve ourselves. So if you're ever wondering, if you're ever struggling, honestly struggling with, is this sin? Are you choosing you over the conviction of the Holy Spirit, or are you choosing Jesus? And Christian, we, we, we go through this day in and day out. Remember, Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So you may say, so what's the point? Why try? Well, that's the point. There is no try, right? To quote a famous Star Wars guy, there is no try, there's only do. Do what? Well, we're going to see that in just a second. But here's what we can't miss here. Even in all of Peter's failure and betrayal, Jesus is pursuing Peter. Jesus is coming after Peter. He's initiating restoration. He's He's initiating the healing of that relationship. See, Jesus brings this up to Peter in front of everybody, right? In front of the other disciples, He's coming to restore Peter publicly. He's already had a private conversation with Peter, but he comes to Peter publicly, gives him the opportunity to be restored in front of the other disciples. Jesus knows Peter's betrayal was probably talked about and was in front of others. And he wants to restore Peter in front of them all. See, Jesus is the holy, righteous, perfect, sinless Son of God. And he is love and grace. This part always gets me when Jesus is raised from the, the tomb and Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, right? And sees the sees the angel there. The, the angel says, What? Go and tell his disciples. And Peter. He points out Peter. Go tell his disciples. And Peter. He knows Peter was weeping. He denied him three times and then was weeping. That conviction was there. The Lord wanted Peter to know. He didn't say, go tell Peter as in like in your face. (laughs) I am the Savior, but in a passionate way. It's true, Peter, your faith was not in vain. I have not forgotten you. I have not shut you off. I'm not shutting you out. I am alive and I am alive for you. And there is hope for you. There is restoration. Because I am who I said I am. You know, it's always difficult to be the one who initi- initiates restoration in a relationship. That's not an easy thing. Some people maybe are wired a little bit, uh, so it's maybe it's easier to do. But especially when we're betrayed, especially when someone has offended us and hurt us, it's just not natural. When someone that we love and that we've made ourselves vulnerable to to turns on us and hurt us to actually go to them and seek to restore that relationship, that's seen as weak in our society, right? In our culture. If we were watching that sort of relationship on the Jerry Springer show, we'd be like, no, send him home. But that's because we don't, know, or operate in the kind of love that God has, that God is, the kind of grace that he has for you and for me. That's exactly what, it's exactly the love that God demonstrated through Christ. So know this today, we have all betrayed Christ. We are all Peter. We've sought after self and pride even in religion. And in spite of every failure, Jesus pursues and is pursuing you this morning. He's whispering. He's calling. He's restoring. Just as Jesus told that beautiful story of the prodigal son, the son who had turned his back and ran off. And yet the father was looking for him, ran towards him, Embraced him, loved him. Jesus has initiated restoration, redemption at the cross. And by his spirit, every day he is initiating restoration and encouragement to you and to me. And so we see here Jesus initiates the conversation with Peter to draw Peter deeper into love. And that's the second point. The call of Jesus is. Love. He says there three times we read verse 15. Do you love me? Verse 16. Do you love me? Verse 17. Do you love me? You see, in the question here lies the very heart of the matter. Not what Peter has done or has not done for or against Jesus. But Jesus is coming to him saying, where is your heart? Where is your affection? Where is your faith? See, when we experience the love that that sent Jesus to reconcile us to the Father, then we know what love is. We can respond in love because He has first stepped to us to reconcile us because of His love. Then we have the opportunity to love Him back and then to love one another. See, in the world, we're trying to skip that first part. It's, it's very popular now to talk about unity and love and compassion and all these things, but we're trying to do it from a flesh standpoint. There's, there's only so far that we can go with that without experiencing the love of God, without that first and foremost, the love of God. We don't even know how to love one another. The law and the prophets, all of Scripture, Jesus said, the message at the heart of every theological and doctrinal exploration and discovery is love. Jesus said it love the Lord your God with everything. That's first. Our love for Jesus is the most important thing to Jesus. It was love that motivated God to send Jesus, to demonstrate his love, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. And in Christ, when we experience that reconciliation, we now have the opportunity and the ability to love God in return. It's not about a get out of hell free card, right? That's not what being a believer is. A Christian is. Not to make us financially rich. Not to miss out on the problems and pain of this fallen world, but to receive and return love. Unfortunately, much like Peter, for many Christians, it becomes about other stuff. It becomes about what I can do for God, right? Or or maybe about, uh, maybe I can have the piety now to judge others. Or if we're not careful, it becomes about what God can do for me, right? My prayers turn into, you know, me standing in front of a vending machine, pressing the buttons and giving God my Christmas list all year long. And that results in becoming disheartened and even disappointed and doubting in my faith because God is not coming through like I want him to come through. Jesus asked Peter three times. It's not an accident that Peter denied him three times. In verse 17, it says that Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. Peter knew. See, Jesus asked the question twice using the word agapas, which in uh, biblical usage speaks of an all-giving, uncaused, unselfish love. Peter answered Jesus using the word phileo, which in biblical usage is more of a reciprocal love, right? A friendly affection. Some translations express Peter's answer as, I am your friend, right? The third time, though, Jesus uses that word that Peter had been answering him with. See, Jesus presses even further into Peter and says, really? Really, Peter, do you love me? If you love me at all, live it, demonstrate it, but make sure of that love first and foremost. Jesus didn't say to Peter, are you sorry? You promise never to do that again? No, Jesus went right to the heart of Peter. Where is your love? Because Peter was a zealot, right? He was bold. He was brash. He's ready to fight for what he believed in. And Jesus is coming for that aspect of Peter's flesh as well. Peter, if you love me, feed that. Make sure of that and let it overflow to others. Jesus knew the answer, right? He knew that Peter did have a love But he also knew there was plenty of love for himself in Peter. He's holding up a mirror to Peter. He was calling Peter to search his own heart. Sometimes we go through a rough struggle in life, you know, because Jesus is holding up a mirror. He's asking this question Do you love me? The answer is to be honest with ourselves and to God. Lay ourselves on the altar every day, understanding the default of us all is to slide into the self mode. Jesus is saying, lay yourself down, Peter. Love me. And from there, love others. So, How do I love like that? It's not just a command I give myself. Listen, love God more. First of all, it's receiving it. It's receiving it. I can't stir this kind of love up myself. It's receive it through the cross, through the payment of our sin that Jesus made on, on the cross. Letting God into my life by dropping my defenses, dropping my excuses and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I, I, I recognize your love for me demonstrated on the cross. I receive Christ as my Savior. I'm I'm No longer going to try to be my own savior. That's first and foremost is receive it, but then also remember it. Remind myself of it through worship, through personal worship. Make space in your life for worship. We go, 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 especially in the city. I mean, it's just constantly going. We've got to intentionally make space in our life to worship, to respond, to reflect on God's promises, on his love for me and respond to that as I remember it. And that goes right along with pursuing it. Pursue that kind of love. Spend time in Scripture. If I'm not spending time reminding myself and, and, and understanding the promises of God, then I'm not growing. Scripture changes me. Psalm 1, verse 3. That person who meditates on the Word of God Is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. What? That's a pretty awesome promise. Whatever He does prospers. I want a lot of that. Get in the Word. Spend time knowing the Word of God, learning, being reminded of His promises. Psalm 73. The psalmist is struggling with the sinfulness of the world. The, the, the evil are prospering, and, and I'm struggling, and all those things. He says in, in Psalm 73, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then everything changed. When I sat before God Almighty, when I was in His presence, then I discerned, he said. We've got to spend time in God's Word and, and time in prayer Prayer places me in a posture of dependence and trust and faith. We've got to feed that love for Jesus because that's it, first and foremost. Walking in a loving relationship with Christ because, well, I'll get to that later. So Jesus wanted Peter to understand, first and foremost, that it's love he's calling him to. Love Me, Jesus says. But also the demonstration of that love is obedience. He says, verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, tend my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Listen, this past week, Thanksgiving, we had a wonderful time, right? Worshiping together and thinking about all the goodness of God and all those things. Praise God, I hope that you do that every day. But what speaks loudest to God in worship is obedience, Now, that's not where our salvation comes from. It's not about a salvation of works, it's faith. But in his life changing grace, he changes my life, changes my wants and my desires, so that I'm living a life demonstrating my faith. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy which is your reasonable act of service or worship. We want to get busy in the church. We want to do things. Jesus says, present your bodies to me, a living sacrifice, holiness, obedience. We're always, so many are always looking for a new move of God. God, do a great thing. Speak to us. Move in a mighty way today. God's like, I've, <laughs> why don't you do what I've already told you to do? You need it in a new interesting way. Jesus is telling Peter that he has an opportunity to demonstrate his love for Christ, intending, feeding, and loving the sheep. See, Peter began to be more concerned at times with his own reputation, his own safety. That's obvious. He's concerned about his own safety when someone accused him and he said, No, 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 I didn't. What was the reason for that? He was he was protecting himself. People come to neighborhood church at times, and and for seasoned Christians, it's not too long before they ask me, the familiar, how can I serve? How can I be plugged in? Which is wonderful. Praise God. We should want to serve, and that's a natural overflow. But for me, the first thing that I want to make sure that we're leading you in is loving Jesus. See, because when we get the cart before the horse, many times in an effort to make the church Function and the programs to thrive, and even to draw people because they can come and use their talents in the church. Now, hear me clearly I'm not saying that it's not biblical to serve in the church, right? It is. To be a part of the body is to serve. However, when we build the church out of programs and events, we put a strain and necessity to staff and recruit volunteers to do stuff, we miss what we are called to do and to be and that is disciples making disciples lead one another to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus to spend time in the word I'd rather you be out spending time in scripture spending time in prayer serving your neighbors loving your neighbors than at church every night of the week because what happens is we end up saying oh yeah and we send people down to the children's wing never to be heard from again we don't have that wing yet but we we will and therefore remain infants in in their love and faith for Jesus. But yet they walk into our slick, climate-controlled concerts, our Disney-like children's facilities, cutting-edge media departments, and meanwhile, Jesus whispers over and over again, Do you love me? Sorry, I was venting there for a moment, but... In every season of life, in every struggle, every pain that you're experiencing, Jesus is calling you to love him more. He desires to give you and I more of himself. When the pain is unbearable and we don't know why we're going through a storm in this season of life, first and foremost, Jesus wants to give you more of himself. We gather together to worship, small groups. We're in groups down at the coffee shop, Jesus is calling us to love him more. When Jesus looks at people in our community, he's calling them to love him. The good news is that it's not in the work, but obedience is the response of love to his love for me. Because listen, we get in trouble in church. I mean, I've, I've been locked out of the sound booth before as the worship pastor, because the guy who ran the sound booth would not let anybody in there except himself not even other volunteers. See, what happens is we, when we love Jesus, when we're brought into that right relationship with Christ and we're discipled, we're growing in that selfless love for Jesus, that kind of stuff fades into the, into the back. I don't own the sound booth. I don't own what I do for God's people and for, for the church. I love Jesus And that's first and foremost, and that will be demonstrated in the way I treat my brother and sister. That will be demonstrated in the actual way that I serve, not easily offended. We walk around on eggshells in the church, only says that we are loving ourselves first and foremost. That means Jesus sometimes, Jesus will allow somebody in your life and in my life. Through which he is asking you. Do you love me? Sometimes he puts a lot of those people in my life. Will you honor me first and foremost? Or will you protect and defend yourself? Peter, are you going to worry about yourself and defending yourself or and your causes? Or are you going to love me? Are you going to be obedient to me? Because if the answer is that I'm going to love Jesus, then I'm going to serve him first and foremost. I'm going to put others before myself as well. Because otherwise, when I, when I choose my way over and over again, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm presented with a situation and I choose to protect myself and to, to be self-centered, I'm going to go through that lesson again. And again, and again, Jesus will continue to ask. You see, with Peter, he continued to ask him, Do you love me? Finally, Jesus takes... This last-minute conversation with Peter to let him know that there will be a cost for loving Jesus. He says in verse 18 and 19, When you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Historians have written that Peter was martyred under Emperor Nero, And he requested to be hung crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. Not just Peter, but many Christians, right? The emperor was the fifth emperor of the the Roman king. uh, Nero was the fifth emperor of the Roman kingdom in the first century. And he used Christians as human torches for his parties at times. Justin Martyr wrote that, that seeing the piety of Christians in their lives and their patience, even unto death, he gathered that this was the truth. They, they constantly professed and sealed up their faith with their blood. Now, we live in a different age, right? But make no mistake, if you love Jesus first and foremost, and you live that out, a life of love and faith, you will not be in step. With the world around you. Now, I don't mean take that as a banner and be like, that's right, I'm gonna be different. No, love Jesus, love those around you. That will be different. And as you grow in your faith, you'll find more and more that you're living in contrast to the common, most popular worldviews and convictions. There will be a price to pay. But again, putting my faith in the love of Christ and making the goal of my heart and life to love Jesus more and live to please Him. then persecution, opposition, unpopularity, and even death lose their grip on my heart. Just Just like Paul said in Acts, remember he said, none of these things move me. And as the world around us falls... I can be at peace. When the pandemic's hit, I can be at peace. And I'm free to love without the bonds of culture, without the chains of race and politics and social status. Because my value, my confidence is in Jesus and his love for me. Jesus sums it all up there in verse 19 as we close. He says, follow me. This phrase in the original Greek is a present imperative, which means literally means, keep on following me. It's right now, Peter. It's today. It's tomorrow. It's every day. Look for the opportunities that Jesus is putting in your life where he is saying, do you love me? Let me encourage you this morning to take this question of Jesus to heart and respond in faith. It's a, little, it's a little funny to me. After this, there's a passage, and when he, he continues on in verse 20, we didn't talk about that, but it's classic Peter here, and classic all of us in verse 20. Peter, as soon as all this is said, Jesus says all this, all this it says, Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them, the disciple whom Jesus loved Him. In verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? (laughs) Jesus said, if it's my will that he remains until I come, what's that to you? Follow me. My, My approval or others' approval of me, others' opinions of me, lose their grip when I have my confidence founded in the love of Christ. So when Jesus says, do you love me? Let's here that is not just a question, but a call to set our affections today, our desires on Christ this morning, and pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal, reveal to you this morning and to me, where where am I denying you, Jesus? Where am I denying you as Lord? Where am I denying my, my love for you? Stop asking, what can I do? How do I do this or how do I do that? How can I get away with this or that? Get better at this. Instead, I want to love Jesus more. God, teach me to love Christ more. Holy Spirit, lead me in loving Jesus, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Not just more, but most in my life. And in turn, may my life reflect a life of obedience to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your voice, that you continue to speak, you continue to pursue us, God. Lord, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And yet, and yet, you pursue us. You love us. God, may we not just sing songs about that. May we not just talk about that. but Lord, may we build our very lives on that, that you love me and you made it possible for me to love you in return. And God, the things that the world is pursuing, running after, desperately struggling to find, we have found in Jesus. Love, unconditional, poured out, amazing grace, mercy shown to every one of us, God. Lord, may we spend our days, first and foremost, seeking after you, seeking after your kingdom, seeking to love you more. And Lord, may that reveal itself in every one of our lives in loving, caring, those around us. God, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.